On today's Reasoning Through the Bible, we're going to have part two of an informal conversation we had discussing Dr. Michael Heiser's book, The Unseen Realm. You can find more of Dr. Heiser online where he has a rather long video series explaining the same book, plus his his works are out there. Dr. Heiser has taught at a Bible college and seminary level, and he's an advocate of what's called the Divine Council. This, again, today is part two of an informal discussion that Steve and I had when we were first learning about Heiser's work and discussing it, trying to evaluate it. And if you didn't hear part one, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that because it gives some overview of why we had encountered it in the first place. But today we get into much more of the details of Heiser's doctrine and some of the questions we have. And so we'll go ahead and listen to today's discussion, and then I'll come back at the end and do a wrap-up. Yeah, I know. She's wanting you You know, better. we'd build audience members if we bring the dog in. <laughs> Seriously, we would. We'd bring audience members if we brought them into the podcast. We can call her our producer. Yeah. Heiser question. Can I ask a Heiser question? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was going with the dog. Yeah, Heiser, sure. Heiser question. Genesis yeah. 6. Yeah. It came about when men began to multiply on the face of the land, the daughters were born to them, that mm-hmm. the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves, whomever they chose. Mm-hmm. Now, supposedly, if I understand Heiser right, he's saying those are heavenly beings. Mm-hmm that mated with humans Mm -hmm. and formed these Nephilim, the giants, Mm -hmm. and that that's one of the issues that Christ came to solve. Um, And these heavenly beings, these sons of God, are those supposed to be the same as, like in Daniel, the prince of Persia, that over each country, or at least the 70 nations, or whatever he says, there's eight, some nations that have heavenly beings behind them, and that Yahweh was the one behind Israel, and that these heavenly spiritual beings that are behind these nations are those, the quote-unquote sons of God, that mated with humans. Is, is that what he's saying, that those are the same Thing? Uh, I do not, I don't recall if he says they are the same ones that mated. Where, where, where the two, and again, this is me taking from what I've, I've listened to him and, and read, is that yes, these the sons of gods came of this spiritual realm and mated. And, and corrupted the flesh, right? Cor- corrupted humanity. Okay. Okay. And that was a main reason of the destruction of at the, a start over. But obviously Noah and his family right. wasn't, okay? Right. And yeah, that, all this is before Noah. Correct. And that the disembodied spirits... Or these sons of God, these or the disembodied spirits of these offspring, 
are what later, when you come into the New Testament, are the demons, okay? Now, I don't think he's emphatic on that. Again, he says most of this stuff, not all of it, is not me, my originality. I'm just kind of a gatherer right, of what's right. out there. He's he's the full time scholar guy, and he's he's gathering all these writings. From all these. So so these other writers and others, and as well as these ancient Near East literature, which includes the Dead Sea Scrolls from the Essenes, and then also the Ugaritic texts and everything else. Okay, in those stories, they attribute these uh, demons as these disembodied spirits, or at least some of the demons, okay? The other part of the nations has to do with the assembly or the council, okay? The divine council. And it's those entities that were assigned to the nations. So I don't think that he makes that one is equal to the other Okay, because one came in Genesis six, and the other came at the Tower of Babel. As far as the okay, assignment, so he's not. Okay, he's not distinguishing exactly. No, I don't. I don't think so. It's the same. Of God are no. I, I kind of pause like that because I believe he's just making a distinction that this, and of course, the name of his main book is the Unseen Realm. There are. There is these. Divine beings, divine meaning created spiritual, they created by God, okay? And it's not limited to just angels. We know that there are multiple types. There's cherubim, seraphim, there's angels, messengers, okay? And we have some descriptions of some of them, Gabriel and Michael and the different things. They have war and they warred with this prince of Tyre. They warred with this uh, prince of Persia. Right. And so he has kind of gone back again to the ancient Near East texts and the Dead Sea Scrolls as far as an explanation. And this is what was the knowledge of the people at the time of Christ's coming amongst Israel. It was their mindset and also the mindset of the writers in the Old Testament. Now, this other person I I sent to you, Ken Johnson, I don't know hardly anything about him. I just ran across him, but he's, for what I've seen of him, he's just the scholarly guy who's kind of done the same thing, uh, where he's just gone out and gathered all these different texts, and his website is biblefacts.org. I haven't gone to it, but I've seen a couple of these YouTube stuff. And he has just kind of brought it in, and he brings in the narratives on the other. Now, both him and Heiser, they both say, this is the canon. This is it. You don't right. add to it. These other texts, the Dead Sea, the, from the Essenes and the Dead Sea Scrolls, the Essenes and the other Ugaritic texts and stuff, those are basically historical documents. It and adds you, context. It's context. And some of it's good. Some of it's ridiculous, like the yeah. 4,500 you know, uh, foot, okay? 3,000 cubits tall is what we're saying these things are. Right. So, and that's kind of one reason why I sent that one. I don't know if you watch it or not, but the one with the Ken Johnson, he explains on the Book of Enoch. The first Book of Enoch is the one that the Essenes had. Then there's the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. 
and even Heiser said it, those are the ones that are are heretical and were added by other people through the years, other okay. guys, okay? And they're 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 named the book the second book of Enoch and the third book of Enoch. But they're after the fact and they're heretical. Okay. They're Gnostic. Okay. Yeah. And so they're not to be. So the, the the first book of Enoch is the one that they say is a historical. And part of Heiser's argument and Johnson's too is that it's referenced by Jude. It's referenced by Peter. There's others. The book, uh, the, Johnson even goes this book of Jasher. It's referenced somewhere in the Old Testament. Yeah. So they're saying what the, what, Johnson specifically says at some points is that these were known books. They're being referenced by them. No, they're not. They're not scriptural. Right. So they're just saying it, it adds context and there's, you know, here's the backstory. Correct. So My, whether, yeah, go ahead. go ahead. Sons of God. Yeah. Saw that the daughters of men were beautiful. Yeah. So I'm just struggling with when it says sons of God, are those supposed to be good beings? Or bad beings, or do they have free will? So, according to Heiser, yes, they do have free will. They were assigned, well, on these ones that with the women, no, they didn't have good intent. Okay. And they, yes, they have free will because they came and mated with the, with the daughters of men and, uh, taught them according to some of the, ancient Near East document, Ugaritic descriptions and narratives, taught them how to beauty themselves, make up and do their hair and all that, make themselves even more beautiful, uh, how to wage, make instruments of war. Those are the sons of gods that did that. So they had evil intent. They brought evil evil into the world. Without all the backstory, if I just were to, just as a dumb Bible reader, see the term sons of God, I think a positive sense. Right. I don't think of a negative sense of the sons of God. Right. I never thought of a demon, for example, as somebody that would be called a son of God. Right. I always thought of it in a positive sense. Right. And if there's these heavenly beings that then turn evil, Mm -hmm. and I, I, I guess there's nothing heretical i guess by this idea of a god creating another heavenly being that had free will that could choose Mm -hmm. Uh, i just struggle with what god would do as far as they ultimately have to be judged Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. just like just like us sin is sin right whether it's in an angel or a or a human and so that was one question right and if heiser is not making a distinction or not clarifying rather who those are then it kind of answers the next question which was again over in matthew where jesus is tempted by the devil the devil offers him all the kingdoms of the earth well it Mm -hmm. would seem like he'd have them and to offer or Mm -hmm. the temptation would be empty right yeah and so if the devil has them then either these beings are under the devil or something Because you wouldn't have, so now you've got God in this council, quote unquote, with demons, or at least sinful beings, right? Mm -hmm. And that was the idea I was struggling with. I would seem like if this council Mm -hmm. is 
God getting together around the conference room table with them every so often, mm-hmm. that they wouldn't be sinful. Because if they were sinful, I don't, I, I'm struggling with the idea of God being able to, to just deal with them at all except in judgment. You understand where I'm going? Yes. The idea is this council is a council. It's not just a group, right? Uh, it's name council hit in, in the ESV. It's divine council. I think in the NASB, it's the assembly. Okay, so they would interact with God. They're around God, but much like when Jesus is telling the disciples, when in the kingdom, you're going to be in a council, yeah. in an assembly, ruling over the twelve tribes. Okay, and I'm going to be the king, right? And you're going to be the yeah. The, but the those deals. are all good. Those are all good people. Correct. The, uh, the only other. I think of the only possible, I guess, he could be mentioning. Remember the beginning of Job? Satan appeared before God. And, and the yeah. sense I always had on that is there's like this parade in front of God. It's your turn to go like a military inspection or something, right? The general's here. He's going to inspect the troops. Mm-hmm. And so that was the impression I got from the first part of Job is that Satan didn't have a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, where it's it's inspection time and Yahweh's gonna look at you and okay where you been mm-hmm. and so it's not like they were e- equals mm-hmm. at all right God in the beginning of Job is clearly in charge right and so I I'm just struggling with the whole idea of yeah. of sin and free will and these heavenly beings now one little other little rabbit trail mm-hmm. Aquinas taught that angels had free will but only at the point of creation now where he got this i have no idea but Mm. what he taught was that all the angels made a free choice but it was at the point they were created Mm. and then at that point their will is fixed to the point where a, a demon could not today repent and choose to go follow Christ. Mm-hmm. They made that choice already, and it was fixed. Mm-hmm. And likewise, with a good angel, couldn't you know? They they made a choice to for God, and and their will is fixed. Mm-hmm. Now, where he got that, I I have no idea. But that was a way for a theologian to explain some of these heavenly beings being around that God created, right? That could have chosen. God didn't create evil. I. I think the motivation of Aquinas was God didn't make a demon. Mm-hmm. He made a creature that could have chosen. And then they, they chose, but then right. God just says, okay, it's fixed. I, I think that was his motivation. Yeah, and Heiser, much the same way, in that God assigned these beings to, these, to the nations, and then they didn't do what they were supposed to do they were supposed to be assigned for good for a good purpose right but they went off and did their own thing okay so one response is that so there is some judgment and that's where it comes back to the i don't know the exact where he says or where scripture talks that you you think that you're going to live forever but you're going to die like men right so this the in the psalm it's not saying they are men it's saying that you think, you know, that you're a spiritual being and that you're above man and you're going to live forever and stuff. But no, right. you're going to die. So, of course, the death that spoke of these spiritual beings is the lake of fire. Yeah. Right. In, in the end. 
Second thing is, as far as God in the or evil in the presence of God, we do have that story in Job, and we know that Satan right. is there. Now, Heiser, he doesn't say emphatically, well, th- that's not the main antagonist, Satan, that's talked about in Revelation and other throughout. He just he just says, this could be, by the word Satan or Satan, means the accuser. And it could be because when he's asked, he says, what, what have you been doing? He said, I've been going out throughout the earth looking and looking at people. And, and Heiser, one of his, his deals, he said, this could be that's that's that particular being's yeah. job. He goes out and he looks. And so when it's called Satan, the accuser doesn't necessarily mean it's the the, the devil, devil, right? And uh, but he doesn't say that it, it couldn't. He's just making the. Uh, I think I believe he's kind of making the case of we think of one antagonist, right. Satan, and supposedly his other dominions of fallen angels that have gone with him. But I think Heiser has broadened that, and he's trying to broaden it and saying. There's a spiritual realm, but there's more of these that have kind of other things that went on, right? Like the ones that were assigned to the nations and then they went corrupt. And like the ones, right. the son of gods that went and mated with women and things. So it's, it's not just one antagonist. There's a lot of antagonists that okay. are going or taking place. Now, now Satan, the one that we're going to look at today. Yeah. That tempted Jesus, right? Is the main one, obviously. And the one to answer your question and deal about Mount Hermon or or his book. Yeah, that other book. I forgot the title. Yeah, Reversing Hermon. Yeah. Jesus's Forgotten Mission, something like that. Yeah. The the, the forgotten mission of, of Jesus. So in listening to him, it's a poor choice of words. Because again, it's not the mission. The, the main mission is salvation of mankind. He's saying is is that there is another thing that was out there of the nations, right, that have gone off and worshipped other gods, chosen their other gods, and you know had had national identities with other gods and things like that. And so, part of Jesus's redemption uh, act, okay, was to bring the nations back to worship God as well okay. through salvation, okay. And that part of that is going to be in the end times, whenever all the nations come come against Israel, God's going to show his power yeah. and defeat them, okay, to show that he's the one true God once again. So it's kind of a, a, a poor choice of words in my part. It's not the mission. And, and from the standpoint, it was the only mission or the main mission. It was another Thing. So he's again just adding all this background stuff. He's not claiming at all that those were uh, as important as the fall. No, no. It's 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 kind of like there's other stuff that's going on, right? It's not just. It would be kind of like you and I being Texas uh, boys, yeah. right? We know the ins and outs of the Battle of Alamo, right? right? And we know that. Here's Travis writing all these letters out, right. pleading for men to come, but Houston keeps not sending anybody. Right. And you and I know that what Houston is doing is he's just kind of leading the Mexican and trying to train his men and get to a point where he's on a good 
position. And he, he acknowledges basically that's a, um, uh, lost cause, so yeah, to speak. Okay. Right. To go and defend it. I'm not going to commit all my troops there. You and I know all of that because we're here from Texas. We study right. Texas history. But you take somebody up in Ohio or Pennsylvania and they're reading about Travis and his letters. And well, why didn't, you know, how come, you know, Houston or yeah, Houston didn't send trip? How come they didn't? How come this? How come that? It's the same. I kind of think it's the same thing. You and I know the backstory and we know right. all this okay. other stuff that's going on, right? So it's yeah. not just the Battle of the Alamo, but it was all the other intricacies that were going on yeah. for the freedom of Texas, right? And I can I can understand that. And I even think Heiser's probably got a solid case with those passages in the Psalms that talk about the council. Mm-hmm. Those seem to fit. Yeah, and I, I think his case is stronger there than it is in some of these other passages where I look at and say, "How do you get to that yeah. conclusion?" Just seems yeah. kind of thin. Seems like he's looking for some things, but those passages in the Psalms sure seem like that's that's exactly work. And I don't have any qualms or, or any issues with bringing in. Okay, here's the backstory. Right, a- Acts seventeen, Paul quotes two. I think it's Greek poets mm-hmm. that were philosophers, right? That had he quotes it to these Greek philosophers on in in Athens, right? And if you, it says he was speaking to the Stoics and the Epicureans, mm-hmm. and if you look at oh, here's what the Stoics taught, here's what the Epicureans taught, and here's what these Greek philosophers taught, then it kind of fills in. A lot of context for right. that sermon he gave in Acts 17. Yeah. And what he was doing was methodically going down point by point, refuting these, these Greek philosophers point by point in right. his sermon. And it just adds a lot of context to what he's trying to do. And that's a very good analogy. Cause yeah, because, uh, you have people that says, okay, well, he was talking to the Stoics and, and they just go on and read it. And they believe what he's reading. No, that's a good argument. But to your point, if you if you then go look, well, what did the Stoics believe? Then you right. can see the relevancy of his argument related to it. That's a good analogy. One last thing: sons of and, and Heiser, you know, the sons of God in the Old Testament are not the sons of God in the New Testament. Much like the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is not like an angel of the Lord in the New okay, Testament. So. Okay, the sons of because we're we are given the right to become the sons right. of God. Well, that's not the equivalent to the sons of God that are spoken of in the Old Testament. So the sons of God in, in the Old Testament that's referred there just means divine in the spiritual realm, not mankind itself, right? So so does Satan control all these countries or do these council people... Well, again, I haven't gotten any any part where where Heiser brings that in, but I mean, I think it's obvious because there's other scriptures that talk about Satan yeah. or the devil is definitely in. He's the prince of this world, right? Okay, so he's prince of the power he, of the earth. Yeah. So, so I, the short answer is yes. I believe so. Uh, that 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 is the main antagonist. That is the one, and that he does have authorization to offer them to Jesus, or else it, it, it's not a temptation. Now that was our discussion about Dr. Heiser's work on the unseen realm. 
And as you can tell from our discussion, we have some things that we seem to think Dr. Heiser made some points, and in other areas we still have some major questions. And some of the questions that we had here, namely the ability of God to work with a divine counsel that is not entirely righteous, is questionable at best and created some somewhat major theological questions and concerns that we still have. Other parts of Heiser's work seem to fit some of his exegesis of the passages that talk about the council and the Psalms seem to fit rather well with the text. In other places, such as the Tower of Babel that he talks about, seems to make a somewhat of a good explanation, but in in other senses it blows the emphasis of things like the Tower of Babel out of proportion to what is encountered in a normal reading of the text. But that's what makes this interesting. Dr. Heiser, as far as we could tell, holds to an orthodox view, but he does hold a view that takes that we would suggest take more and very careful evaluation before it gets embraced. And so again, we at Reasoning Through the Bible are just discussing this. We are not endorsing Dr. Heiser. We just thought that you might find this discussion interesting because it's one of these things that's out there today and involves discussion amongst theologians. And so I hope you enjoyed that. This will wrap up for today. And we hope that you'll stay with us as we do topics like this on occasion. And we hope you'll be with us as we reason through the Bible. Yeah.